Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to bring the word tonight to you all. Um, we're continuing on the series that we started a number of weeks ago on life in 2021. And we're going through different facets of, I guess I could put it this way, the equipment that God has empowered us with in order to live a life that is not only glorifying to God, but also a life that would be a blessing to all those around us. So I, I really do pray that you would really hone in on this message and, and give me your full attention, please, um, because we're going to be taking communion together uh, at the end of this service. Those of you that are joining us online, please take a moment to uh, get some type of cracker, piece of bread, something, some type of juice. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, specifically uh, a wafer or grape juice. It can be whatever you have there in the house and uh, so that you'll be able to participate with us at the end of the service. Um, we believe here at New Beginnings and when we take communion, we take it together as a church family, um, but we believe in preparing our hearts before we take communion. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot to the church, the early church, especially to the church of Corinth, about the importance of preparing your heart to take communion. Uh, if you're like me, you probably grew up in a denominational church where you took communion every single time you went to church, but nobody ever explained to you what communion was all about. It was kind of like slapped on the end of the, of the service and we knew that when the bells rang it was time for us to take communion and be out of here in about five minutes. But it means a whole lot more than that. I don't mean that in, in an offensive way. I pray that you don't take it that way. But I, I will say this. Um, when you have a biblical understanding of what communion represents, the taking of that unleavened bread, the taking of that cup, um, there's something that explodes on the inside of you. And so that's why this weekend we're talking about the power of communion. And when I say communion, I'm talking about the power of the Eucharist, if that's what you grew up uh, used to hearing, the power of the, of, the, of the Lord's Supper. And so basically we're going to take communion together at the end of this service. And uh, I have a goal that I'd like to accomplish this weekend with this message, and that is to get us to the place where we associate communion. We associate, uh, here, here we use these little cups for sanitary reasons and a little wafer and a little cup of juice. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to uh, impress upon your hearts the importance of recognizing what the bread stands for, what the cup stands for, but even more importantly, that we will leave this service with an understanding that when we mention communion, the word remembrance will always be associated with that. Amen? Uh, just to get ahead of myself a little bit here to kind of throw something out at you so you can ponder this. Jesus gave us this method of remembering everything that he accomplished for us. We should never go any length of time. I know there's some, there's some denominations, some churches that they only take communion during Easter time. There's others that take it every time they get together. We kind of do it uh, maybe every other month or so so that we're not going too long without taking communion together, but it's not becoming something that is just a casual event. We always want to treat this special. Amen? Amen. 
We're living at a time of distraction. I don't know if you see it as much as, as maybe I do. Is there so much being thrown at us constantly to distract us? Every day we're hit with something else to either be concerned about or to be obsessed with. You know, uh, it's either the latest virus totals or the latest new phone that's come out that you obsess over because now you want this one. And, you know, you're going to make every excuse that your old phone doesn't work, so you want to buy this new phone. So our minds are bombarded with info, especially negative information. So that, and, and it's an intentional, it's an intentional uh, act of the enemy. You've got to understand the time that we're in, okay? We are in the last days. There is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that we are in the last days, and I, I believe we're in the last hours of the last days. And so uh, the Bible tells us, even back in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, it tells us that one of the tactics of the enemy of our soul in these last days would be to wear down the saints, to wear us down. The man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know of one individual I, I, I could ask right now that hasn't experienced or been tempted to experience some type of weariness, especially over the past year or so. So, so we need to bring to our remembrance on a continual basis the things that God has done for us, the things that Jesus has done for us. And um, I didn't know if, if the Holy Spirit was going to give me an opportunity to share this or not during worship time. I didn't sense it. And, uh, I, will, I will give this to you. Um, tonight before, well, I was on my way uh, to come here, just preparing in my, in my own soul. Uh, I heard something that I had never heard before in 36 years of being a Christian. I heard this on the inside, as, as loud as if someone was standing in the room with me. Uh, you have a victory on the inside, and he's got a name. Amen. You've got a victory on the inside, and he's got a name. And, and I thought I was going to hear, and his name is Jesus, but I heard his name is Holy Spirit. Amen. The spirit of victory. Uh, listen to me. The spirit of victory has been deposited on the inside of us. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and he quickens us. He brings us to life. He makes us alive. So we've got to remember no matter what distractions, no matter what's trying to bombard your mind, you have a victory on the inside of you and his name is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget that. Remember this. Amen. Psalm 77 verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. You, who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. Every time God has done something, it has left a lasting mark on humanity. And it's up to us to remember, to reestablish that track record over and over again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. Then take care lest you forget the Lord. It's such a shame when people forget the Lord. You know, when we're in time of crisis, it seems like, it seems like we're, we're always remembering the Lord. When we're in time of crisis, it seems like we always remember the word. Remember to make sure we get to church, okay? I said I, we remember in a time of crisis to make sure we get to church. Okay, but we need to remember him when things are good just as much as when things are bad. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 12 says, take care. 
lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. We could say it this way. Don't forget God who took you out of the garbage heap that your life was. Don't forget the Lord who took you out of that pile of garbage that your life was and brought you and set your feet on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, especially this weekend, folks, do not forget what the Lord has done for you. Psalm 103 is a very special psalm to my heart. Psalm 103 was a psalm that God used many years ago to, to, to bring a physical healing in my body. And this is one, the whole principle of this, the whole concept of Psalm 103, starting in verse 1, is don't forget. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm standing on that promise. My youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen. Let's say it together. My youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's forgive me here for a moment. You know, uh, now I want you all to be thinking, oh, the pastor's got the sniffles, pastor's sick. No. I'll tell you how I got the sniffles, because I got a little emotionally um, overwhelmed when I, I saw this young lady come up here and see how she honors God with the way she handles these, these hosting and the announcements and taking the offering and everything else. And I'm just thinking, man, God, as bad as the generations look, he's not done. He's not done. Amen. Amen. Psalm 103 tells us to not forget. Not for you. And the things God tells us not to do are just as important as the things that God tells us to do. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you why. He knows us. He knows you. He's made you. He's made me. When we forget his benefits, we drift back into that negative world around us. We forget what he's already done for us, and therefore we forfeit the very benefits that you and I need in our life on a regular basis, on an everyday basis. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. Amen? Amen. And Jesus gave us a way to make sure that we do not forget the benefits God has showered us with, and that's with communion. Amen? Amen. So important, so important. I'll, I'll t- say this ahead of time because I believe, amen, that we should not wait to take communion until we come to church. I believe that as the Holy Spirit leads you, you should take communion at home. Amen. Now, and that's scary if you come out of my religious background. Because we were told that only, only certain people could touch could touch the wafer and only certain people can you know give out communion and distribute communion but it's not doesn't say that in the bible we should be taking communion you should be taking communion as often as the holy spirit puts it on your heart you get your family together if you're by yourself it's you and the holy spirit and you get a little piece of cracker a little piece of wafer a little piece of whatever uh even a vanilla wafer will do for you anything and you just you just sanctify that thing and you declare that this is the body of christ and you take that grape juice or cranberry juice or orange juice or whatever it is and you sanctify that thing and declare it to be holy and you take communion you remember the things that jesus has done for you 
Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And he, speaking of Jesus, took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Many years ago, there was a, a, a gentleman, a businessman in London. He owned a, a restaurant. His name was Emil Mettler, who would never allow a Christian worker, a missionary, an usher in his church, a Sunday school worker. He would never allow them to pay for a meal in his restaurant. In his cash register, among the bills and coins, he kept a six-inch nail. What was it doing there, a friend asked. And he explained, I keep this nail with my money to remind me of the price that Christ paid for my salvation and what I owe him. Amen. We owe him. We owe him. We owe him our lives. We owe him not just our physical life. We owe him our eternal life. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Got a lot of scripture with this message. So I want you to just maybe just write them down and you can go look them up later. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by them who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near, thank God, by the blood of Christ. His blood has brought you near. We are not far away anymore. We're not, we're not at a disadvantage. He's in us. Amen? And we skip down to verse 18. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Wow, that's powerful. Because you see, there was a time when you and I were far away from God. There was a time when you and I were separated from Him. There was a time that you and I would not felt comfortable even coming into an atmosphere like this where the presence of God is. Because you see, when God's on the outside, we're uncomfortable. When God's on the inside, we can take on anything. Amen. 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 But we need to remember sometimes. We need to remind. Not, well, we don't need to go live back there. But we need to remember sometimes what it was like when we didn't have God. What it was like when you and I didn't have a relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what we did, it didn't matter. It was all, we were, we were sinners. We were in sin. We had sin nature on us. So it didn't matter how good I was, because it ain't good enough. Amen? But thank God for Jesus. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, and you're trying to learn how to trust God more, then look back to what he did before in your life. Amen. Go back. Try to, keep a, a, try to keep a journal, a diary, something. Even if you write it down on a little note card and put it someplace. And remembering when God has rescued you, when he's taken you times, taken through the times that were very difficult. Sometimes Satan tries to make, tries to make us believe that the miracles that you experienced in the past were just a coincidence. Yeah, right. But you and I know better. Right. I said you and I know better. Amen. Turn to, turn to somebody and say, you and I know better. That if it wasn't for him, we'd be lost. Look back at those times and remember how he answered your prayers in such great detail. Remember his track record in your life. 
And again, take communion often. Don't, don't get religious about communion. It's a method of remembering. Don't wait so, well, I'll wait till we're in church because, you know, the pastor has to bless it. No, no, you're, you're the king and priest of your household. You bless it. You sanctify it. You take it. You do it in remembrance of him. Amen? Amen. So there's power in communion because it brings back all the memory of what Jesus has done for us. And there is power in the track record. There's power in track records. When we go back and we remind ourselves of the things. You know, in Judaism, there's festivals that are purposely put in place so that the people, God's chosen people, would remember the things that he did for them. You think about a Passover dinner. Lasts for hours. Okay, but the main, the main goal for that dinner is not so much to, to, to have a feast and to, to enjoy all these delicacies. The main goal is to remember one special night that happened thousands of years ago. And the tradition is that the youngest at the, at the table is supposed to ask, why is tonight so different? Why is this night different than every other night? It's because that was the night that they were set free from slavery. That was a night that they came out of Egypt and started heading toward their promised land. That was a night that God showed himself mighty on their behalf. Send an angel, an angel to wipe out their enemies, but, but gave them the blood. Say that with me, the blood. The blood of Jesus is powerful. Gave them the blood of the lamb to put over their doorposts so that when an angel of death would come by, that angel would pass over. And so every time we're taking communion, we're thinking about that angel of death that's been hounding you. That angel of death that tries to bring destruction into your life. That angel of light, the enemy of our souls that will wipe you out with a hangnail if he could. And the fact that the blood of Jesus is on your life and on my life to save us from destruction. Amen? So we take communion. When we take communion, we're saying, I remember and thank you. I remember and thank you. That's what we're saying. Don't ever let this become a religious thing in your, in your, in your life. Re- let this be what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to put you in remembrance of what Jesus has done. That is powerful, especially in the times that we are in right now. Amen. These are difficult times. These are uncertain times. These are times that if you're not, if you're not watchful, if, you're, if you don't continue to stir yourself up and remind yourself of the goodness of God, there are times that can be very discouraging. There are times that can bring confusion, turmoil, chaos. But we're not like that. We're going to keep reminding ourselves what God has done in our life. And what he's done in the past, he'll do it again. Amen? So, so we're saying, I remember and thank you for what? Number one, for forgiving me. For forgiving me. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins our relationship with the father starts with forgiveness do you recognize that do do, do you realize that do you realize that that's one of the first things that Jesus said to the disciples on that first resurrection night when he appeared to them walk right through the walls no limitations no obstacles any longer why because he's got a glorified body at this point the majesty of heaven was upon his life he walked into that room they were all gathered they're afraid because they think they're going to get crucified next and he says to them 
peace be with you. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be unto you. And then the very next day, once he got them calmed down, because I tell you what, wouldn't you get shook up if somebody walked through a wall in the room that you were in? And they're afraid that they're going to get arrested and crucified. Then they see him walking through the wall. That didn't help the situation. So the first thing he had to do, because it's no use him speaking what he's going to speak until he's got them calm. Amen? Amen? And so he speaks peace over them. Shalom. Wholeness. Amen? And so now when they're calm and he's got the attention, the very next thing he does is breathe on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now they got the Holy Spirit on them, in them. And now the very next thing he says to them, he speaks to them about, is forgiveness. That's got to mean something to us. You you realize the very last things he spoke to them about at the Last Supper was the Holy Spirit and love. The very first things he speaks to them in the resurrection, as soon as he's resurrected, as soon as he appears to them, is the Holy Spirit and love. And forgiveness. Well, what's forgiveness? Forgiveness is a form of love. Amen? Amen? That should tell us something, that it's extremely important, that we should never take for granted the fact that it costs the blood of Jesus Christ and the suffering on the cross to purchase your forgiveness and my forgiveness. Amen? Amen. When, when, when our mind drifts back to old thoughts, old nature, communion reminds me of the price that was paid. It places value on our salvation because it cost him his life to release me, to release you from my sins. And what does that do for us? This is why there's power in communion. What does it do for us? When I remember, and I, and I remember to place value on my salvation, what does it do for me? When it places value on the fact that I've been forgiven my sins, what is it? it empowers me, watch this now, it empowers me to resist temptation when it appears. Why? Because if you place value on what it costs Jesus for us to be forgiven, we'll not easily fall into sin. When if we're, in fact, if we're going to fall into sin, let us fall into sin by accident. Amen? Not willfully. Not plan for it. Not say, well, you know, I'm living in the age of grace. I'm going to be forgiven anyway, so I could just go ahead. No, no, no. That dishonors God. Amen? So in communion, I thank God. I remember and I'm thankful and I want that power of remembrance to be operating in me. Why? Because I'm thankful for redeeming me. Redeeming. Redeeming. It could almost be interpreted as or understood as reestablishing a value that once was. When Adam and Eve fell, they lost value. They lost something. You and I are born in sin. We become born again, and we're unto righteousness. They were created righteous, fell into sin, and, and did the opposite of what you and I do. They got unborn again. Amen? They became unrighteous. They lost position. And God promised that he would redeem them. He would ransom them. He would reestablish them in the position that they originally had. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, in the New Living Translation says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven all your trespasses we could say sin having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us 
and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He's talking about the law. I used to think for years that he was talking about that he nailed my sin to the cross. No, no, it was the law that was nailed to the cross because you and I could never, ever possibly fulfill all of the law. Only Jesus could. So as long as that law was there, that long as, as long as that law was in power and in force, the enemy could use that against you and against me, constantly bringing us into a place of guilt, constantly bringing us into a place of shame. Jesus says, I'm done with this thing. I will redeem them with my blood. I will redeem them with my life, not by them obeying this commander, that commander, that ritual, and this ritual. Amen? He redeemed us. He took the charges away so that evidence that Satan had could be taken away from us. Never again could Satan use that evidence against us, not unless we let him. I'm thankful for, for restoring me. Amen? Amen? To a place of restoration, a place of position with God. I'm going to need to teach on this in the future, on, on the subject of righteousness, because it is uh, very misunderstood in the body of Christ. Righteousness is a position. It, it was lost in the fall. It was restored at the cross. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. I'm giving you the scripture because I don't want you to just sit here and say, well, pastor said it. It must be true. No, you've got to see it in the word. You've got to see it in the word. Romans 5, verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Amen. Friends with God. Amen. Amen. That means you're in the same position that Abraham was. Because Abraham was called the friend of God. Amen? Amen? We have a Savior who reminds us that we are not our past. He reminds us of our identity in him. Christ is continually healing us. He wants us to be vulnerable before him and bring our brokenness to him. Always remember that God can use our painful memories for his glory. He understands your pain. He is faithful to help you through it. Allow him. Understand that you've been restored. Well, pastor, I really don't feel like it. It's not a matter of feelings. It's a matter of establishing the truth in your heart because the word of God tells us so. Well, I don't feel very restored. Well, sometimes you're going to have to elevate the word of God above your feelings. Amen. Amen. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't feel saved every day. I don't feel holy every day. Amen? What do I got to do? Does that mean I got to go, oh, I got to get born again, 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 again? No, no, I just got to go to the Word. Say, oh, no, 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 no. That's an established fact now. I am the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus because he who knew no sin took my sin so that I could inhabit that place. Amen? Amen. And communion says, thank you. Number four, for empowering me. For empowering us. Amen. You realize that if it wasn't for this, this facet now of our relationship with him, yeah, we'd be saved. We'd be going to heaven when we die. But we'd live on this earth with no power. That's a horrible thing to do. Why? Because we live on a planet that's still under a curse. We live on a planet 
that has an enemy that 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 we live on a planet that is hated by the enemy of God and the enemy of mankind and will do everything possible to destroy mankind you see because he can't get to God he can't get to him and so who does he try to get to his children so if if God forbid he would have left us alone here and Jesus said that to them at the last supper he said I'm I'm not going to leave you like orphans I'm going away but there's one coming Another one just like me, but in a different form. And he's going to empower you. Amen? Thank God for the empowerment that comes from from God. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus speaking to the disciples. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And I tell you, Right now, we're living, in a, uh, we're living in a time and a season of the history of mankind when we are surrounded by snakes. We are surrounded by snakes. And I'm not talking about the ones that wiggle on the ground. We are surrounded by snakes. We are surrounded by poisonous scorpions. Pe- some people just have given themselves over to the enemy to do whatever they can to destroy the people of God. Don't be discouraged. Look to that power that's within you. And I'm not talking about your willpower. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. Remember, we've got a victory on the inside of us, and he's got a name, and he's empowered us. And then after the resurrection, Jesus gave this promise in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power. I can't read that scripture without emphasizing that power. But you shall receive, come on, let, let's do it one more time. But you shall receive power. When, when are we going to receive this power? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and, 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 and to the ends of the earth. Man, that's so good. That's so powerful. Why? Because our God is so good. Our Jesus is such an awesome Savior. He did not leave us here. Number one, he didn't leave us here orphans. Number two, he didn't leave us here powerless. And yet for hundreds and hundreds of years, the church has walked around with that sense of powerlessness. Thank God he's reestablishing this truth. Thank God for the past 100 years and, and some. He's reestablished this truth of the power of the Holy Spirit that is, that is ready. He's ready and willing to come upon every single person who would believe that. But you shall receive That was kind of weak. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that power is for us to be witnesses, for us to give evidence when people see you operating in that power, they realize, oh, no, this ain't you. This is not you. This, can, this can co- couldn't come from you. This had to come from an outside source. Yeah, it's an outside source that lives inside. Amen? I could say it this I personally could say it this way. It's an outside source that lives on the inside of this source. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Make you want to change your last name. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19. Remember the Lord your God. Here it is again. It's remembering, remembering, remembering. The power of communion is to remember the things that he's done for us through his body and through his blood. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. It's talking about the promise he made to Abraham. 
the promise he made to Isaac, the promise he made to Jacob, I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. I'll make you. I'll make your name famous, not for the sake of being famous, but for the sake that in you, he said to Abraham, all the people of the earth will be blessed. Amen. Amen. In communion, let's remind ourselves here as we get ready to kind of wrap this up and, and take communion together. In communion, Jesus was reenacting the covenant that God made with man through, through himself, through Jesus. A covenant is a promise of protection, provision, and power. And I'm going to say that again. Uh, a covenant is a promise of protection, provision, and power. And the stronger covenant partner is obligated to always protect, provide, and empower the weaker partner. And Jesus gave us his name to use against the enemy, against sickness, against poverty, against all forms of oppression. But it cost him his blood. And in communion, we can remember who he is and who we are now because of him. Amen. In communion, we're grateful that we're no longer mere natural creatures. But through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are no longer merely mortal, natural creatures. We have become a supernatural species of individual on this earth. Amen? Amen. Remembering what God has done for us keeps the fire burning on the inside for Christ. And unfortunately... Many believers go through spiritual dryness and their affection for the Lord Jesus Christ becomes dull. And one of the main reasons for that is because we don't remind ourselves on a regular basis of what he's done, the price he paid, all that he endured in suffering. Scripture tells us that unbelievers are dead in sin, enemies of God, blinded by Satan, the haters of God. However, God in his grace and his mercy still sent his perfect son to die on our behalf. You realize? You realize he didn't just die on behalf of those of us that would believe in him, that would receive him. Every single person that's ever lived, every single person that's ever been conceived from the time of Adam and Eve, he's paid for it with his blood. Isn't it an unfortunate thing that, 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 that individuals would, would live a full life on this earth, never, never give any thought to the Lord Jesus Christ, reject every, every uh, um, person that's ever come to them out of love to tell them, listen, you need Jesus. You can't leave this earth without Jesus. You leave this earth without Jesus. And you know what people will say, well, when I'm dead, I'm dead. Oh, no, honey, uh, it should be that easy. It doesn't work that way. Now, nobody dies. Everybody lives forever. Your body's going to die, but your spirit lives forever. You need to determine where, that, where your spirit's going to abide for all of eternity. You have to decide that now while your spirit is still in this body. But what, what a nightmare, what a nightmare for a person to live a full life on this earth 
reject continuously the truth of the gospel, take their last breath and end up in hell. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. And you and I need to do the very best. We need to do everything possible to make sure that as many people as possible hear that message. Not because we want them to become part of our club or not because we want them to carry a specific title, but because we don't want them to end up in hell. Amen. Thank God somebody had mercy on you. Thank God someone took the time out to tell you that Jesus loved you, that Jesus has already forgiven you, that your sins have already been paid for. Thank God. That's our responsibility because God sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Amen. In communion, there is a power that is released when we remember that brutal price that he paid for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.